Welcome to the UM's Connected Podcast, a resource offering spiritual formation in the Wesleyan tradition through a metaverse community. I'm your host, Steve Harper. Well, we're continuing our series, Exploring the Word Connected, from a variety of vantage points. The word connection was one of the words that the Wesley used to describe early Methodism, and it quickly became an inviting word for us to use as we thought about creating a movement that would reflect the aims and the heart of early Methodism. So we've called ourselves UM's Connected. I periodically want to remind folks that you don't have to be United Methodists to participate in UM's Connected. Some of the listeners to this podcast are in other faith traditions, some in no particular tradition, but are just seeking for a meaningful relationship with God. The early Methodist movement was similar to that. They wanted uh, a sense of belonging that, uh, that was larger than institutional identity. And we're hoping, uh, striving, aiming to Uh, be a place where people of of all persuasions can find um, a sense of welcome, hospitality, and formation. Now, let me hasten to say that UM's Connected came into existence in order to provide a metaverse community of United Methodists who, for a variety of reasons, are feeling homeless or discouraged these days. So we do keep at the core of our mission the desire to help people belong who have lost that sense of belonging. And one of the places where that's happening today is in the United Methodist Church. So we've been looking at connected. We've been looking at a word that meant a lot to the Wesleys and can mean a lot to us in the 21st century. Today, I want to spend the time with you to look at the idea of connected as order. Now, you'll remember, many of you will, that the Wesleys understood theology as an order of salvation. That is, a, an understanding of who God is and how God works in our lives, defined by love and experienced by grace. An order of salvation, uh, an order of, of, of wholeness in time, Jesus called it abundant living, and for eternity that we often call eternal life. The Wesleys were about uh, spirituality that begins even before we're born and continues after we die. It's an amazing thing. And the Latin word for it was ordo salutis, an order of salvation. That is to say that this God whom we seek to know and to love and to serve uh, is, is not a God of chaos, is not a God of ambiguity, but rather is a God of revelation, a God who speaks, a God who shows, a God who forms, and does it in a way that we can discern and integrate into our own lives. 
Now, in relationship to spiritual formation in the Wesleyan tradition, which is what UM's Connected is focused on at its heart, the Wesleyans understood this order of salvation is what I've come to call a formative flow. We become connected as we participate in that formative flow. We would say theologically, we become part of what God is doing as we respond to God's unfolding grace. So today, what I want to do in this session is to think about being connected through this order of salvation, being connected through the formative flow that the Wesleys understood and which we want to connect with through the movement we're calling UM's Connected. It's a movement that can be summarized as belonging, believing, and behaving. Now, as UM Connected uh, moves forward in the days, weeks, months, and years ahead, we'll, we'll revisit all of this and we'll, we'll do it in some detail because one of the things we believe in as a movement is that it's a movement of substance. We have, uh, we've been superficial too long. In fact, Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline, that came out in 1978, begins with the sentence, superficiality is the curse of our age. When Richard has recently revised that book, he now says, in addition to that, that distraction is the curse of our age. But what I think that means is that's what happens to us when we're superficial, when we lose the ability to think deeply about matters of faith and practice, when, when, when we skirt across the surface of things and settle for quick fixes and formulas, and when we, when we stop um, being drawn in to, to the necessary critical thinking that the issues of our day require, then we not only become superficial, we do become distracted because we hop from article to article and Facebook post to post, and we, we never root anywhere. See, what the Wesleys were about in this order of salvation was they were, they were following a formative flow that roots us. They called it being rooted in knowledge and vital piety. This is that uh, classic understanding of contemplation, the mind descending into the heart. And out of the heart, then, come the issues of life, the writer of Proverbs said. And Jesus said the same thing in the Gospel of Matthew and Luke. So this formative flow, you see, this way of belonging, this way of connecting in a formative way, is not only an accurate way to describe the Wesleyan tradition, it's a crucial way for understanding the kind of life that God is calling us to live as disciples of Jesus in the age in which we find ourselves. So let's go through the flow today in a kind of summary fashion, knowing that we will revisit a lot of this uh, in future podcasts. We begin with belonging. Now, I want to say right up front that um, the Wesleys were counterintuitive and to a certain degree countercultural in their understanding of faith. Um, 
European rationalism of the day in the several centuries prior to the 18th century turned faith into belief. How do I know I have faith? Because I believe the creeds or I believe the doctrines that my particular church emphasizes. Belief became very mental, very rationalistic uh, in the centuries leading up to the formation of early Methodism. Um, Gerald Craig has written an excellent book about it called The Church in the Age of Reason. And some of Wesley's most substantive writings were addressed to men of reason and religion. Yeah. So, uh, the Wesleys stepped back from that milieu. They stepped back from that, that idea of uh, becoming Christian and, and uh, coming to faith through mental assent to doctrines. And they said, no, um, you begin by connecting people to other people who are alive in Christ. Belonging was the front door, the port of entry into the early Methodist movement. It was a disposition of the heart. Now, they, they said it this way. They said anyone is welcomed into the Methodist movement who has a desire to flee the wrath to come. Now, that's an interesting phrase, and we might not say it exactly that way, especially the wrath part, but you've got to understand that, that in the 18th century, um, this is what people were looking at. Uh, life was, was very uncertain. Death was a, was a common reality in almost every neighborhood. Uh, things were, were falling apart in the society politically and, and even ecclesially. So there, 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 there was this sense of foreboding. And so what, the, what that phrase was really saying is if you really want to experience life that doesn't get caught up in these debilitating dynamics, these deformative attitudes and actions, then come with us, join us, because we're looking at life and faith in a different way way. That's what the Wesleys were saying in that phrase, the desire to flee. Now, I don't know whether we'd call it the wrath to come, but I think all of us can identify with the idea that, you know, we have a desire to, to flee, uh, to rise above, to, to not get caught in the machinery that can so easily discourage and deform us today. So what I hope you're picking up from this presentation is that the initial invitation of early Methodism was to belong and to connect through that belonging with people who were alive in Christ. Uh, iron sharpens iron. Fire in one person's heart will create warmth in the life of another. Isn't that interesting that when John Wesley records his experience in Aldersgate on May 24th, 1738, he said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. The person was reading from Martin Luther's preface to the book of Romans, his commentary on Paul's letter to the book of Romans. But Luther was so alive in that, so, so warmed in his heart that his words warmed Wesley's heart. So let's be very clear today. Uh, that 
the early Methodist movement believed that the way you do spiritual formation in the Wesleyan tradition is you connect people through mutual belonging. Belonging is the first step. It's the disposition of the heart because belonging is what we want to do. Years ago, I was reading one of E. Stanley Jones's books, and I remember him talking about the human personality. And he talked about it in all the ways that we can think about it individually. But then he goes on to say, don't forget that the self, the imago dei, is a social self, a collective self, a communal self. We desire to belong. The Wesleys really understood that. And so when they began to design and implement the early Methodist movement, they put belonging at the front door. And through their life together, they invited people to belong to God, to belong to one another, to belong in time to the church, not simply understood as the Church of England or the Presbyterian Church or the Lutheran Church, but to the body of Christ with institutional ramifications, of course. And then, yes, to belong to the earth. Some of Wesley's most profound writings have to do with the creation, with the natural order. The, the, the Wesleys were, were saying in word, deeds, attitudes, and actions, belong, 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 connect, 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 because it's when you do this that you will step into the stream of the Spirit that has been flowing long before any of us were ever even aware of it. Then, of course, there is belief. Methodism has sometimes been looked at by other theological traditions as being kind of theology light uh, because it starts with the with the window of experience. You know, come in, taste, and see that the Lord is good, to quote the psalmist. But that's not theology light. That's just getting your mouth watering for the milk and the meat, to use the images in the writer of Hebrews. Belief is certainly a part of it. And that's why the Wesleys um, rooted the early Methodists in the Articles of Religion of the Church of England. Some people have asked, how come Wesley didn't, didn't uh, produce any doctrinal statements? And the, the, it's, a, it's a simple answer, but it's essentially accurate. He didn't produce them because he already had them. He had 39 articles of religion, and he looked at those, and he says, for the most part, these will do. Now, when he uh, passed them on to the American Methodists, he made some amendments and some changes and reduced them to 25. But the point is, he didn't rewrite them because they'd already been written. Furthermore, he didn't understand belief exclusively in a textual, creedal uh, kind of sense. Uh, he, he understood belief as essentially the I-thou relationship that we have with God through Jesus Christ. Sort of like when Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Well, now you can spend a lot of time in uh, Thomas's words in the Gospel of John and unpack the word Lord and unpack the word God but Thomas was not 
doing that in the moment. He was caught up in the wonder. Charles Wesley called it being lost in wonder, love, and praise. That was, that was belief. Getting so caught up in the I-thou relationship between God and ourselves that uh, we feel our hearts strangely warmed. Now, that can, that can happen as we read texts, whether they be biblical text or other kinds of books and articles. Um, people have, have had their hearts strangely warmed while reading things. Let there be no doubt about that, and I'm not ignoring that fact. I'm just saying that that wasn't the essence of belief for the Wesleys. Belief was relational. And then belief for the Wesleys was also responsive. I mean, if you really are knocked off your feet, like Paul was on the Damascus Road, I mean, if you really do have some memorable God moments in your life, then you respond to that, don't you? You don't remain unmoved when you're moved. So in the structures of Methodism, there were ways to believe through the societies, the classes, the bands, you see. Believe and move with the flow of grace from awakening to attachment to advancement. And then the Wesleys understood belief as a recurring thing. It's not just writing down the date. It's not just saying the hour I first believed. That's a great thing to be able to tell your story from the hour you first believed in that great hymn, Amazing Grace. But, but who are you now? What are you now? There were a lot of people in Wesley's day who would point back to their baptism. And Wesley always honored a person's baptism. But he says, and, and this, is, this is the way he wrote it in that awkward English, I care not what you was, what are you now? See, faith is recurring ongoing. It's what has been called a long obedience in the same direction. Then the third element is behaving. Of course you will. If you belong, if you are in community uh, with warm-hearted people who in turn warm your heart, whose, whose witness uh, affects your life, through whom God speaks the words of the Spirit that touch your human spirit, if you belong in a community like that, and if you believe uh, not just in the historic doctrines of the, of the faith, but in the experiences that you are having and believe that God's intent is to transform you and move you from one degree of glory to another, then you're going to act that out. See, this order of salvation, belong, believe, can't be anything other than behave. Behave from the inner core of your heart. Behave in your outer conduct, beginning with your sense of vocation. You can look at Wesley's writings and see how many tracts he wrote, uh, uh, how many letters he wrote to uh, farmers, uh, to merchants, to homemakers, to uh, politicians. Wesley says that when you begin to behave the faith, you're going to behave it in the context of life as you live it every single day. And of course, and of course, it goes without saying, but it must be said, 
that behaving is ultimately the worship of God, the central act of the people of God. Uh, Archbishop William Temple called it. Um, uh, we, we behave from the heart. We behave with our conduct. We behave through worship. And then, as I said, the Wesleys provided structures so that this could happen. This is not just uh, not just a you know good luck hope you make it kind of spirituality. This is saying we believe so much in um, knowing Christ, um, loving God, loving your neighbor, manifesting the fruit of the spirits, um, uh, re- reforming the nation, reviving the church, reaching the marginalized. We believe so strongly in these things that we're not going to leave them to chance. See, That's what we've been talking about in this session today. We've been talking about the order of salvation. Belong, believe, behave, and participate in an ongoing way through the structures that are available to you in the Methodist movement. Now, As we bring this session to an end today, I want to emphasize that we would say those same things. I'm not going to go back and repeat them, but I would say that that's that's the engine, that's the driving force for UM's Connected. We want to be a place where you can belong, believe, and behave, and we want to provide the structures that will help you do that in these challenging times. We want to be a metaverse community that can watch over one another in love in the ways that the early Methodists did. Well, that's our session for today. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week as we continue the journey together. Feel free to contact me as you think about UMS Connected at my email address, umsconnected at flumc.org. And please tell others about UM's Connected if you think they would be interested in the kinds of things we're trying to achieve. We want anyone and everyone to be part of this movement, too. See you again soon.